Hello again, everybody, and welcome back to the Ohio Agronomy Roundup. I am your host, Bushel Billy, and joining me today, we're going to sit down with Brad Miller, technical agronomist for Ohio, and get his input on soybeans for 2020 harvest. Brad, welcome to the show. Yeah, thanks, Bill. Thanks for having me. Sure thing. Uh, why don't you take a few moments to those who haven't uh, had the chance to meet you yet and introduce yourself and, and what you do. Sure. Well, as you said, I'm the technical agronomist with the DeKalb Group in Ohio, and uh, I cover essentially northern Ohio. Um, on the east side of the state, I'll go as far south as Zanesville. And on the west side of the state, go down about uh, Lima area. So kind of a diagonal line as we cross west to east there. And um, I reside in Wayne County near Worcester, Ohio, and uh, um, get around the state quite a bit. And how long have you been an agronomist? Uh, yeah, I've, I've worked for uh, Monsanto, now Bear, as an agronomist for uh, near 26 years now. 26 years. Well, you've seen a thing or two. Yeah, time flies. Yeah, actually, it's kind of interesting. Uh, the year I started was one year before we launched Roundup Ray Soybeans. So it's, it's been really fun to see all these trait introductions over the years. Boy, so, soybeans have changed in that 26 career quite a bit, huh? Yeah, they sure have. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Well, as we look across the state of Ohio, and, and here we are winding up the month of August, uh, everybody gets kind of antsy around harvest, gets excited about harvest. The combines will start sneaking out here, usually around the 10th or 15th of September. Um, the, looking at how the, the crop is, is finishing out, the, the health of the crop, do you have any idea uh, when we may see soybean harvest kick off across the state? Well, Bill, I really think it's going to be a mixed bag. Uh, we're going to have some guys getting in earlier than what they expected. Uh, some, uh, it's going to be more normal timing. Um, and I guess what, what's really driving the harvest time is going to be the amount of moisture you have as far as whether you're drought stressed. And we do have some parts of the state that are really needing some rain and some areas have had good timely rains all season so some of those drought stress acres are going to mature a little bit faster oh sure so uh an early harvest even though we're excited to go out there and get the beans mowed off uh getting an early start isn't necessarily a good sign yeah that's right yeah if, if those beans are senescing you know dying early um they're they're going to be missing out on some uh later rains that could help you know, add some uh, weight to those soybeans in those pods. So, all right. Well, if we go 30 days in the rearview mirror was fungicide time. Right. And uh, we're seeing, uh, we're, we're monitoring crop health and we're, we're monitoring how this, this crop is going to end and mature out. What have you seen as far as disease pressure uh, in the soybeans as, as we finish out the growing season? Yeah, so it, it'll it depend where you're at in Ohio. I, we've seen more sudden death syndrome in southern Ohio as you get south of I-70, uh, more, more so than north of I-70. Um, we have seen some frog eye uh, throughout the state. However, I think it's been pretty light, uh, not huge infestations of frog eye. Uh, and um, 
Yeah, that's those are the two major diseases. Have not seen any white mold. Uh, I think it, you know it's just been too dry, um, so that's a good thing. We're not seeing the white mold this year where we typically see it. Mm-hmm. Very good. Now, as I've been traveling the highways from western to central to southern Ohio and back again, uh, soybean fields look different as we run across. Uh, what is the guy as a farmer is out looking at his fields and, and driving by what are some of the things that he should be looking for uh, to determine if he's uh, he'll know he's running out of water because he hadn't had rain right but if if it's sudden death brown stem rot uh, drought stress or it's just the natural senescence of the beans are there any physical characteristics that that would give us a clue that it's the natural, the natural senescence of that bean, or we've got other pressures out there that's, that's closing the door early. Yeah, there sure are. So um, you mentioned sudden death syndrome. So that's with that disease, that's actually a disease that infects roots very early in the spring with very wet soil conditions, which we had. Uh, and usually this time of year, you see the foliar symptomology and uh, so what you look for, you'll look for leaves towards the upper part of the crop canopy that have intervenal chlorosis. So the, the leaves are yellowing between the leaf veins um, and then it progresses on where those leaves essentially just fall apart. And you got the petioles left without any leaves. Uh, so that'd be something to look for with sudden death from a visual standpoint. Um, whereas normal senescing of soybeans, that's when you see, you know, the field in different gradients start turning a little bit yellow with some of the leaves. Um, so those soybean plants, when you see that, they're starting to move nitrogen out of those older leaves to help finish off those pods. Um, and that's just a natural process. So unfortunately, some areas, uh, just this past week, I was traveling in the Tiffin, Fremont area, uh, north, central, northwest Ohio, and they are under some severe drought stress. And, and those beans are moving along very rapidly. Uh, because they're, they're sensing that they're running out of uh, moisture and, and with that, you know, they're, they're moving on to maturity. So. Okay. So let's, let's explore that just a little bit more in regards to pod fill, because we we've seen the calculators and the yield estimates on, on how to try to get a measure on this soybean crop, but the size of the bean and how well the pods fill is just such a wild variable to getting an accurate determination. Uh, how is this stress, drought stress going to affect pod fill? How helpful would a rain in the next seven to eight days be uh, for the majority of the state to finishing it? And uh, you know, how would how we progress so, pro so far and how do the next 14 days really affect how those soybeans finish out? Yeah, we any rain we get from here on out is going to be very beneficial, especially in the next 14 days. Uh, like you said, it's going to add to the pot fill, and you know, with with the lack of rain, typically typically you're going to have more two and three bean pods instead of typical three and four bean pods. Uh, so you know, as the plant senses it's under moisture stress, it, it's going to start. Uh, aborting some of those beans as they fill those pods. Um, not, you know, you might start out with, with a four bean pod potential and then end up with only three. Okay. Uh, yeah. And then of course the seed size is going to change too. Um, the more rain we get, the larger soybean seed size you're going to have versus 
uh, lack of rain, you're going to have smaller seed size, and that'll take away from yield as well from a bushel per acre standpoint. Okay. So even though the beans are pretty much done flowering across the state, we still have a lot of bushels yet to make if Mother Nature cooperates. Yeah, yeah, that's right. And even in some of these fields where, uh, you know, this spring with all the wet, cool weather we had, soybeans seemed to be standing still for a long time. And until, you know, it just seems all of a sudden then they started growing, but it felt kind of late. So a lot of those soybeans, um, you know, they're going to be shorter in size, uh, but short beans is, doesn't mean bad beans. So you really need to get out there and look at the pod set. You know, if you're seeing three, four, five bean pods, five bean pods per node, uh, that's typically a good thing. Um, you know, if, if you start counting those pods, if you can get 40 or 50 pods on a plant, uh, that's showing real good yield potential. But of course, it, between now and harvest is going to determine how many seeds actually complete filling in those pods, and that'll have an impact on yield too. Okay. And this one may be completely out of left field, but something that's got a lot of conversation in the past few years is how thick to plant soybeans, what, what the population should be, how low we can drop it. In your travels this year, uh, seeing the late start early, the drought stress late, and how this crop is finishing, um, have you seen benefits, disadvantages, uh, anything stop at, jump out at you from a population standpoint of what that magic number was for 2020? Yeah, so we never, when we plant beans, we never know what the season's going to be like. So we always put our best foot forward. And I think, I, I'm still a believer that a lot of times we're overpopulating our soybeans. Um, when, when you crowd those beans together, what's going to happen is your pod set's going to be on that main stem and you're going to have fewer chance for that plant to branch. Um, you know, so... In situations where we maybe didn't get an, an ideal stand because of the cool, wet soils, maybe lost some of our stand because of that. The great thing about soybeans is they're going to add on some branches and compensate. Much They have much more of an ability to do that versus corn. Uh, so, yeah, I, you know, as I've walked fields, uh, typically we're, we're, in general, I think we're finally starting to get uh, lower seeding rates to where we can maximize our yield and and minimize our input cost on seed uh so you know with, with an earlier planting time like if you're planting beans last week of april and the first week of may for example on 15 inch row spacings i'll typically recommend anywhere between 130,000 up to 150,000 seeds per acre max and uh yeah and that's that seems to work out in most situations of course, when we get into a late planting situation like we had in 2019, where we weren't planting beans until June, um, you know, in that situation, you definitely want to increase your seeding rate to help promote more vegetative growth so we get more nodes on that stem for more pods on the plant. Well, that, that makes sense. So uh, is the branching and the height of the soybean plant really that sensitive to the population of the plant and how many... Uh, how many, how close it is to its neighbors across the field. Are they really that sensitive that you can physically change the height and the branching of that soybean plant? 
Oh yeah, most definitely. Uh, if if you sock in the soybeans at two hundred thousand seeds per acre on fifteen inch rows, um, you're gonna what what happens is uh, the the plants the plant to plant spacing within the row is much closer, so they're competing for sunlight, and they're uh, reaching up, getting pretty tall, and they won't won't branch much at all, if any. Uh, so you're going to have fewer opportunities for total number of pods on that plant because you're pretty much relying on the nodes on that main stem. So once you get some branching going on, that's, you know, um, more resources, more, more places for those pods to set on that plant. So, yeah, you, you can uh, reduce yield by feeding too hot heavy. Wow. And of course, the other, the other watch out on that too quickly is just the uh, standability. So it could potentially have some uh, harvestability issues with certain varieties. Okay. All right. Now, shifting gears a little bit, um, two years ago, insects were the big talk ahead of harvest, uh, caused a lot of problems with seed quality and grain quality during harvest. How has the insect pressure been in the soybeans uh, for this growing season? So, Bill, I think uh, insect pressure in general has been pretty low for 2020 versus average years, whatever an average year is, by the way. But uh, so my scouting soybean fields this week, I've seen uh, some young um, stink bugs, nymph stage stink bugs starting to crawl around on soybeans and uh, did find some bean leaf beetle. Uh, although I don't think it's uh, heavy pressure yet. Uh, so those are a couple insects to keep an eye on because they, they will feed on soybean pods and can reduce that soybean seed size. Um, the only other insect that we were a little concerned about and probably had some in some areas but didn't actually break out like we thought it would was uh, spider mites. So when things got really dry, a lot of times spider mites will move from the roadside ditches into the soybean fields. And... Uh, I'm sure some folks did spray for that, but it ended up not being as big of an outbreak as we thought it might. Now, the the stink bugs that you mentioned feeding on the soybean pods, I mean, are these, these big critters that are just eating it like edamame, or, or what does stink bug feeding look like on, on the pods? Yeah, great question. So stink bugs, they'll, they actually have what they call a piercing sucking mouth part, where they'll, they'll actually pierce that pod and... Uh, feed on the soybean within the pod and um, a lot of times they'll kill that soybean so you know it, it won't this that soybean seed inside the pod won't grow anymore so yeah you won't see a lot of damage now bean leaf beetle on the other hand they'll, they'll feed on the outside surface of that soybean pod and you'll see a little scar on the soybean pod is that they were feeding okay Okay, very good. Well, what are your overall thoughts on what soybean harvest will look like across the state of Ohio as combines roll out next month? You know, despite all the challenging weather we had in the spring and then some dry weather this summer, uh, I'm pretty optimistic on soybean yield in Ohio overall. Yeah, there will be some areas that had significant drought stress that I think soybean yields will be low average for that field, but a lot of fields that I've been in looking at soybean yield potential looks really good. Uh, so, yeah, I feel pretty optimistic about it. Okay, real good. So, now, maybe a little bit of a shameless plug, but the big conversation every fall that folks look forward to are the yield results from the test plots. 
Uh, are there a couple of the Asgrow varieties that have caught your eye early in the season that we should be watching for in the yield results as they start to roll in? Yeah, yeah. So something new we have that we're going to be launching is Extend Flex Soybeans from Asgrow. And uh, I have several locations across northern Ohio, and Roy Ulrich, my counterpart for southern Ohio, also has several locations and we're out evaluating these brand new Extend Flex varieties. And there's two that really stand out. Um, the first one is a 2.7 maturity bean. It's Asgro 27XF1. And then the other one is a 3.8 maturity bean, Asgro 38XF1. And uh, so they, they really stood out as far as having great emergence and seedling vigor, especially in the cool, wet spring we had this year. Uh, but what I really like about them is, is that they, they are both widely adapted. So they'll go across multiple soil types and yield environments extremely well and really offer some good disease uh, tolerance to uh, avoid a lot of those environmental stresses. Excellent. So as the postcards start dropping in the mail this fall, uh, keep an eye out for 27XF1 and 38XF1 in the yield results, correct? Yes, yes, sir. Yeah, we'll be publishing some yield results here as soon as possible. Okay, fantastic. Well, Brad, any final thoughts as we wrap up our conversation today? Well, you know, some people say soybean crop is, is the rotation crop, but I like to think the other way. I, I really like soybeans and the fact that they can really uh, – adjust to a lot of environmental stresses we have, even more so than corn a lot of times. Uh, so please don't think of your soybean crop as a rotation. Well, Brad, uh, thanks so much for taking the time to sit down and visit with us today. Uh, thank you, Bill. I really appreciate the opportunity. Yeah, yeah, we'll certainly have you on again. But for now, that is our time. Thanks for listening. This has been the Ohio Agronomy Roundup. See you next time. Mm -hmm.